Section 21 of Gallipoli Diary. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sue Anderson. Gallipoli Diary by John Graham Gillum. Section 21. December 1st to 16th, 1915. December 1st. A beautiful day, but very cold. Turks shell the beaches pretty heavily in the morning and afternoon with high explosive and cause some casualties. Quite a new kind of shell, I think, and from new guns. One shell hits our depot, smashing our clerk's office. But fortunately, nobody is hurt. Poindestra of the Munsters, a charming boy, comes to spend a few days with us. He was out on the parapet during the night of the storm, and was carried back unconscious, but is now quite fit again. Times are rather anxious just at present. Troops arrive this morning to reinforce. Evacuation of stores and equipment proceeding full steam ahead. December 2nd. Drafts arrive for the 29th Division. A beautiful day and not too cold. Turks busy with shrapnel. Go up to brigade headquarters with horn. While up there, Turks shell beaches. Suddenly they open fire with two guns and shower of five-nine shrapnel along the new second-line trenches which we have just passed. We have not had this five-nine shrapnel since October 27th. About forty shells come over in rapid succession, two at a time. I hope they do not pepper the beaches with them. The ground is still damp after the flood. We are warned to expect many of these floods and blizzards. We passed General Bing and staff while up at brigade. General Cayley still as cheery as ever. Everybody busy repairing damaged dugouts. Work of evacuation proceeding very well. I wonder if John Turk can see. We have the advantage of the piers and beaches being under cover. December 3rd. We now hear a rumor that we are not evacuating at all, and that only the 29th are going but I do not believe this. We learn this rumor from Sergeant Jones of Jones's water dump. Every day rumors are circulated from Sergeant Jones's dugout on A Beach. All day officers and men who pass call in here and say, Good morning, or good evening, Jones. What is the latest rumor? They are invited to sit down while Jones tells the latest and best that he has heard from all sources, trenches, navy, and beaches, I have seen at one time in Jones's dugout a brigadier, major, and two captains and a corporal all sitting around the oil stove fire while Sergeant Jones at his table is eating his supper. As an officer comes in, Jones stands up saying, Good evening, sir. What can I do for you? If it is water required, then that worry has to be settled. If it is an ordinary call at this halfway house, then the officer is invited to sit down by the fire. Jones adding, if he should be at supper, Will you excuse me going on with my supper, won't you, sir? One night he said to me, May I press you to a plate of porridge, sir? We do not look upon him as a soldier or a non-commissioned officer. It is difficult to describe how we regard him. He is popular with everybody, and all the officers, after a while, fall into the same manner of dealing and talking with him. Personally, I feel my relations with him are as they would be to the landlord of a familiar roadside inn. A Beach, now being deserted, 
all and sundry with the exception of jones being shelled out jones has to remain there for this beach is the only possible place for a water dump dugout and dump remind me of a lonely roadside inn where i call on my journeys between the beaches and the line he gets shelled now and again and has had some remarkably lucky escapes men have been killed right and left of him but most of the drawing of the water is done under the cover of the night happily for our division the water question has been nearly solved by our engineers finding wells behind our part of the line although we still have to draw water by cart from jones to augment the supply from the forward wells other divisions however are not so fortunate they continue to nightly draw water from jones for the troops in the line and reserve nullahs by all kinds of receptacles and carted up on army transport carts scotch mist and drizzly rain all day hardly any shelling on our front or on part of turks more drafts for twenty ninth division arrive we are now making a rest camp in one of the nullahs where men can change their clothes in case the weather gets bad again december fourth a very calm day cold cloudy and dull all last night there was quite a lot of rifle fire and bombing starting at daybreak turks get very busy with shrapnel of which they appear to have plenty at midday they are bombarding our position very energetically we reply and the battleships join in in the afternoon our neighborhood is shelled with these new high explosive shells one shell dropping in our supply depot but no one is hurt dusk and all is quiet a relief poindestra leaves peninsula lucky devil we have shipped off today a lot of base kits surplus baggage ordnance stores and even food supplies by means of the army transport carts and on the tramway running in the sunken trench army transport carts returning empty from the trenches have been bringing large quantities of surplus kit and stores away during the last few nights under the cover of the protecting mounds of earth they have been offloaded onto lighters which with no attempt to disguise their intentions have been towed out to supply ships making fast on the side away from the enemy their cargo being loaded by the ship's derricks into the various holds very little of this work has been done so far but it is obvious to all that we are evacuating in the near future i can't describe our feelings up to a short time ago stores were being busily unloaded day and night and now the reverse is happening it is as if a high commander had suddenly shouted the order as you were december fifth heavy gunning all day by both sides very heavy and continuous from twelve to one the turks give us a general bombardment and we get our share in our little camp men's cookhouse wrecked but no one hurt the cook happens to be at the depot a hundred yards down the gully drawing rations it is evident that the turks are now getting regular supplies of ammunition probably direct from germany we are looking to russia if only she can come through roumania and attack bulgaria in the rear and cut off turkey turkey is finished we get rumors that she is through and are rather looking towards her as a besieged city looks towards its deliverers snipers busy just now on account of the exposed position of our washed-out trenches fresh drafts arrive for the twenty-ninth is it to be an evacuation for all 
or is the twenty-ninth only going if so why do drafts arrive for the twenty-ninth december sixth a very beautiful day turks busy shelling us we reply energetically one continued roar of guns all day our beaches shelled midday and late afternoon but very few casualties the mounds of earth affording excellent cover and all shells are high explosive no shrapnel trenches are still in a muddy state in low land at night we shell their positions december seventh a very beautiful cool day but it is getting colder turks start shelling us early their shells are much improved and are evidently new horn and i start off to brigade headquarters after lunch walking up our gully we pass a boxing match in full swing i do not think that the men know anything of the evacuation i hear unofficially that it has been postponed indefinitely perhaps it is off altogether we appear to be getting through the winter so well that perhaps it might be as well to stick these storms and not give up this job of forcing the dardanelles which if successful would mean so much to the cause of the allies as we near the top of the gully we hear the boom of a gun coming from the direction in which we are walking it is the first time that a shell for the beach has come from this direction by its sound i know instinctively that the beastly thing is coming down very near us i shout to horn drop flat and both of us fall beside a prickly gorse bush as the thing bursts with a deafening explosion on the high ground on our right we get to our feet and look back at the boxing match and cannot help being amused at the way the tommies have quickly cleared or lain down with the instinct of veterans of the beaches the combatants in the ring who have paused resume their match the crowd again collects continually being added to by a stream of men coming over the skyline from the next gully this should draw turkey's fire and sure enough it does for as we reach the hill at the top of the gully we hear another coming we duck behind a boulder as it passes over our heads and bursts twenty yards our side of the boxing ring this clears the crowd and ends the match for the day the turks cannot see the gully but they know that men are collecting there by the procession of them streaming over the skyline of the promontory. As we walk on towards the 88th Field Ambulance, about four more shells scream over the hill to the gully, which by this time is deserted, and as we sit in the ambulance waiting for a friend who is walking up with us to brigade headquarters, the Turks increase their range and send a few nice, fat, juicy ones over to the beaches. Leaving the ambulance, we walk down the slope to the Gibraltar Road and meet Grant, our third general staff officer, who has just come back from the trenches. He is in shorts, caked with mud up to his knees and thickly bespattered over the rest of his body, which gives evidence of the present state of the trenches, even though it is over ten days since the storm. He tells us that in fifteen minutes we are going to open fire with all guns on to the unfortunate pimple we continue our way up the gibraltar road when at four o'clock precisely the ship's guns with a roar that makes me jump for i am again walking in a direct line from which they are firing fire and the great shells screaming overhead can be seen bursting with great violence on the insignificant geographical formation 
almost at once all shore batteries pour shells in rapid succession onto the small target of the pimple which disappears from sight under a great cloud of drifting dust and smoke of all colors arriving at brigade headquarters we find mclaughlin on the roof of his dugout looking at the show through glasses and we join him as is always the case when john turk is being bombarded the bullets become free and frequent and overs begin to fly about us we have tea with mclaughlin and sit around the nice brick open hearth in which a log fire is burning and chat the general and brigade major are up at gun hill observing the show heavy gunning is heard in the south all the afternoon at night the turk sends a shell over our way at odd intervals but in our gully we are practically safe for his targets are usually the beaches december ninth yes the evacuation of suvla is now a reality i hear to-day that we have now begun the intermediate stage of the evacuation it has been a reality for some days the storm only delayed it we have just completed the preliminary stage we hear that it will be but a few days now when not a british subject will be left alive here unless as a prisoner the shelling to-day is in fits and starts high explosive shells are searching the beach bursting well and with a louder explosion than in past days but west beach is well protected and the steady shipment of vehicles and ordnance goes on all day at night empty ration carts go up to the line to bring back men's surplus kits blankets surplus ammunition and the surplus part of the usual accumulation of baggage that a regiment takes with it to the trenches and to dumps just behind horn elphinstone hunt and i are on the beach all night taking shifts in superintending the unloading of the carts as they arrive back full they come back in a steady stream the carts that have taken up rations stores special ammunition such as bombs etc earlier in the evening all return loaded with kits we have a few men to help us but hardly enough and we therefore work ourselves to keep warm it is a monotonous job the drabbies appear fed up and we have to watch them carefully to see that they do not slope off with their loaded carts to their lines kipling once said east is east and west is west and never the twain shall meet is this correct i wonder for our tommies seem to work amicably with the drabbies the white transport corporal who is with us marshalling the transport on receiving an order from me shouts out into the darkness of the beach to the indian jemadar mohammed hussan a voice answers back with a drawl hello my corporal shouts back wait arf a mo will you and the voice answers all right east and west all night lighters are being loaded up and towed out to the ships last army transport carts unloaded at five a m we turn in at five thirty a m ready for sleep december tenth a fine cool day usual shelling with hot stuff shells evacuation of stores going on apace i think the twenty ninth is to be the last off medical comforts in the way of champagne port brandy and whiskey are now going cheap and i send them round to all the battalion messes the two brigades and divisional headquarters they are not troubling to evacuate this stuff and i am trying to get a full share for the twenty ninth personally i should like to give them champagne dinners every night after what they have been through 
no food being landed now except a little bread and fresh meat. Instead of that, the reserve at the depot is being steadily reduced. December 11th. Last night work went steadily on. The loading up of lighters and the towing of these two ships, where the derricks rattling away fervishly, emptied them. A surprisingly large quantity of all kinds of material has been evacuated. Yet the beaches and the life thereon appear unchanged. All tentage and camps are to be left standing, and up to the last day as much transport as possible will move about on the top of the promontory. Tonight the 89th Field Ambulance has left, together with some men on light duty, also a large number of men from the 11th and 13th Divisions. December 12th. Nothing of much account today. Everybody hard at work dismantling and getting away all impedimenta. It can readily be realized what a vast amount of all kinds and conditions of stores and equipment this impedimenta represents for an army of 60,000 men who have been stationary on a small bit of land for over four months. The work goes on, punctuated at intervals by a few shells from the enemy's batteries. But it is quite normal shelling, and I feel sure the Turks know nothing. They can see nothing. The staff work is excellent. The beach each day appears unchanged. Many troops, beach details, etc., move off. December 13th. A cold south wind is blowing and makes us all very anxious. Is it going to develop into another storm which will upset all our well-laid plans and so place us at the mercy of the Turk? These are anxious days. We are now issuing rations from the forward reserve stock in the Commander Royal Engineer's Nulla nightly, and our dump on the beach is now clear. Medical comforts are liberal, and also milk, which the troops appreciate, but bread and meat are issued only in very small quantities. The rations at Hill 10 are untouched, remaining there to be issued should we have to hold the second line of trenches, which are now complete. Work is being carried on fervishly for completing the third line. All work on the lowland has to be done at night, but on the high ground, where nullas and dips in the ground afford cover, work goes on by day and night. Meeting places have been arranged, where the troops will concentrate before proceeding to the beaches on the night that they have orders to evacuate. They are termed posts, and are lettered W, Y, Z, etc., the letters showing illuminated through a dark background. Of course, all such posts are placed in positions which are under cover. Each unit is to be guided to the post allotted to it, there to await orders, which will be telephoned up to the post from the piers. An officer of the evacuation staff will wait at the post telephone for the message from the beach, after marshalling and checking the troops on arrival there. I see brigade headquarters each night now, when I am up at the Commander Royal Engineers Dump, issuing the daily rations. Their headquarters are now in the same headquarters as the Commander Royal Engineers had. Next door is the brigade headquarters of a brigade of artillery, the guns of which are in position nearby in front, just behind and round about. While there, an officer told me that, if necessary, his guns will be putting up a curtain of fire over the Turks, should they attempt to follow on after our troops have evacuated the first line. Their guns are being left in position for this purpose, and will be rendered useless after the infantry have passed back. 
two medical officers and about twenty royal army medical corps men have been detailed to remain at the casualty clearing station after all troops have left on the last night their duty is to attend to any wounded who have to be left to fall into the hands of the turk they of course giving themselves up as prisoners if it is at all possible pinnaces from one of the battleships will be ready to take them off provided there are no wounded their tents are being lined with sandbags as protection against bullets the turk will not shell them december fourteenth the time gets nearer yet the aspect of the beaches does not change shelling is about the same but getting rather bad at odd but fortunately rare intervals the days are now lettered but the letter of each day is secret to all but a very few all we know is that when the last night does arrive it will be a z night i have a shrewd idea that today is either w or v day so that the time is near it will be hard luck if i collide with a shell now after dodging them all these months what of the schemes for evacuating the first line when all those in rear are clear away the line for the last few nights will be very thinly held by us the second and third lines are thickly wired with barbed wire in front which stands in fences eight feet high at intervals there are passages through these fences to allow us to pass through on our way to and from the line on the last night these passages will be closed and the only way to get through will be by barbed wire gates across the few roads officers will be on duty at these gates and they will have fixed thereon telephonic communication to the beaches the final evacuation of the front line will be carried out as is the present daily evacuation of troops keeping to a strict program the officer in charge of the last party down a certain road will report his unit and name to the officer in charge of the gate this will be checked by the list which the officer will have with him of the last parties down and if correct the officer who will then know that the last troops have passed through will telephone this information to the beach close and bar the gate and proceed with the party to the next line and himself report to the officer at that gate where the same procedure will follow and so on to the beaches the only way by which is by the roads after the last parties have passed through the last line then those on the beaches will know that all have passed safely through and that there are three lines of trenches thickly protected by barbed wire between the beaches and the enemy the last parties to leave will be hurried on board the waiting destroyers trawlers and ships the skeleton framework of the supply depot the remaining stores which have been unavoidably left will be set ablaze by the igniting of petrol sodden hay the remaining officers will make a bolt for the few remaining pinnaces that is the scheme the british population of suvla daily dwindles away unbeknown to the ignorant turk ammunition and ordnance and all manner and kind of stores and equipment are daily disappearing into the holds of the waiting ships these ships are not more numerous than the ships which have lain in the bay in the safety of the boom since august sixth so that from their presence our plot is not given away to the enemy our daily life appears the same and he gives us our daily ration of shells now of good quality and effective and no doubt is laughing at us with the memory of the recent awful storm 
and the coming blizzards of a rigorous winter. If all goes well, if the well-laid schemes of our general staff gang not aglay, and no bloody rearguard action is forced upon us, it will be our turn to laugh in a few days. Tonight the wind has changed to the northwest. We may hoodwink the Turks, but not the mighty elements, and we pray that they will be our allies in our task. If our enemies, then we must give ourselves up in unconditional surrender, hoping for no mercy. Carver has just arrived from Hellas on a mission quite apart from the scheme of evacuation. To our surprise, he is unaware that we are evacuating, and tells us that all at Hellas are also ignorant of the upcoming event. No preparation of any kind is being made to evacuate Hellas. He leaves again tonight back for Hellas. The 86th Brigade and part of Division Headquarters are now moving off. I go to Y, forming up post, just at the foot of our gully, and view the scenes there. The beaches have been shelled this afternoon. If they but drop a few over this evening, they cannot fail to claim many victims. Shadowy figures march up in perfect order and form up. Roll calls are made, sharp commands issued, stand at ease, stand easy, whereupon the figures talk, lean on their rifles, or lie down resting on the ground. Elphinstone is going off with his brigade, as he is their supply officer. I make him up a box of the plentiful medical comforts, including a few bottles of champagne for his brigade headquarters, to feast on while on board. I say good-bye to many friends in the brigade, as the order to move down is telephoned up from West Beach to the officer at the receiver attached to Y Post. Troops are called to attention, and in two deep they march down towards the beach, entering the safety of the trench that has been dug there, pass in safety behind the mounds of earth and the small rocky promontory, and file along the pier in single file, up a gangway onto a small paddle steamer, which sails out to the bay to the waiting ship. I listen to the chatter of the Dublin Fusiliers, to their philosophical comments on the situation, and feel glad for them that they are seeing the last of this damnable campaign. One of them has heard on good authority, and tells his friend, that they are bound for Aldershot. I leave them and walk back. No shells come over. Inland I hear the steady crack, crack, crack of the rifles. I turn into bed. Our brigade, the old 88th, alone of the division, is left in the line. December 15th. The wind is cold and blowing steadily from the northeast, yet the sea is not too rough for the getting off of stores. Lord Howard de Walden and General Percival, the brigadier of the 86th Brigade, which embarked last night, are now on the beach as part of the regulating staff of the evacuation program. This staff, controlled by General Fanshawe, is almost as efficient as could be, with the result that the last stage of the evacuation is working like clockwork. Every man is accounted for. No man can leave before his time. No man should be left behind. Commander Unwin, who gained the Victoria Cross at the landing of April 25th for gallantry on V Beach, is in charge of conveyance of stores, animals, and men from the beaches to the ships, and night and day he is on duty on the piers. He stands over six feet and is broad in proportion, with the typical clean-shaven face of a sailor, 
and with a voice that roars orders through a megaphone, causing those who are ordered to jump about a good deal quicker on their jobs than they probably would do otherwise. I go down on the beach with a staff officer this morning after a few good-morning shells have crashed on the beach roads and on the mounds of earth, and we call at the embarkation office in a sandbagged house dug and built in the cover of a rock. There we find a few of the staff hard at work. The weather has been kind, and we are up to time with the program. We talk to two yeomanry officers who are on the evacuation staff. Everything is working perfectly, and I feel confident that we shall succeed in evacuating long before the Turk discovers our absence. Ships, when loaded with supplies and passengers, proceed to Mudros Harbor, where they are unloaded quickly, coming back the following night. No ships pass to and fro between here and Lemnos during the day, so that every morning that the Turk wakes up, he notices no extra ships lying anchored, or the absence of the ships departed. The view of the shipping lying in the bay inside the boom appears unchanged, as is the case of the beaches day by day. Regularly at dusk we go up to the Commander Royal Engineers' nulla and issue rations from the reserve supplies there. Tonight we issue to the 88th Brigade only, and the work in consequence is quickly finished. The distance to the line is now short for the Army transport carts to take the rations up, for the best part of their journey is made empty, namely from the lines at the end of the promontory to our dump in the Commander Royal Engineers' nulla. The journey back to their lines from the trenches is now made with empty carts, for all forward stores have been evacuated. There is no doubt that the Turk hears the carts approaching to the various cookhouses, for the carts rattle, and the various parts of the harness clank loudly. Their sound is certain to be heard by him in his front line, for the nights here are so still. The Turk fires over toward the direction where he knows the roads lie, hoping to claim a casualty in mule or man. The two late brigade headquarters are now uninhabited and closed, and whoever opens the doors of the several dugouts will be blasted immediately into eternity by bombs attached to the doors, seats, and cupboards. I see my brigade close by our dump in the Commander Royal Engineers' nulla, and the atmosphere is cheery and full of confidence. Crack, 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 the rifles in front sing away. I hear one bullet pass but the few bullets that reach this nulla are spent in force and drop harmlessly to the ground. Major Bailey, as cheery as ever, calls in our dugout when we arrive back, and we give him a good dinner of tinned roast fowl and champagne before he embarks with his field company. I go down again to Y Formation Post, and the scene there is the same as last night, shadowy columns of men arriving in good order, lying down to await telephonic instructions to proceed to the beach. The beaches are full of hundreds and hundreds of men moving in single file along the piers and up the gangways and on board ship, while at little coves nearby lighters are busy feverishly loading with animals, baggage, and remaining equipment. December 16th. Still no change on the beaches. Still the same fitful white puffs of Turkish shrapnel over the wooded lowland. Still the ration allowance of Turkish high explosive onto the beaches. And yet, tons and tons of stores and equipment have left, and thousands of men from here are now safe in the camps at Mudros. 
a light northeast breeze is blowing with bright sunshine, and it is very clear. The conditions for our scheme are perfect. Our second line is now crowded with troops who remain well under cover during the day. Water for these is a difficulty, as there are no wells close handy, and it has to be carted up to them daily from the beach. Five eighty-gallon tanks are fixed in position along this line, which are kept full of water as an emergency. Our front line is but thinly held, and all who pass between this second and front line must keep to the roads, for the country is now freely strewn with all devices of trip bombs, which await the Turk should he discover what we are up to immediately after we evacuate the front line and come on to give us battle. As yet, I am certain that he knows nothing. So well are our evacuation staff working. And the last night, Z night, is approaching very near now. I believe tonight is W night. I issue as usual and visit brigade headquarters. Take a stroll on the beaches after dinner to view the scene of men and animals quietly disappearing off the land that we have shed so much blood in conquering. And then I go off to bed. End of section 21